Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Severance, season one, episode three, in perpetuity, is the episode I am going to recap, break down, spoil. If you don't want to be spoiled on this episode or on this show, I would highly recommend checking it out over on Apple TV Plus. It is an Apple Apple TV Plus exclusive TV show uh, and uh, a great show. So let's get into it, shall we? If you if maybe you just want to listen to this and just don't want to watch the show, but you like listening to me explain everything that happens in the episode. Either way, you have been warned, and welcome. Uh, let's get it started. This episode takes place pretty much right after the events of the previous episode where we left off. Petey was staying with Mark. Uh, Mark went and found him at abandoned, run-down greenhouses, uh, brought him into his basement where he's hiding him out. Petey's in the shower, uh, has some reintegration sickness, uh, bleeding from the nose, kind of flashbacks, blending of memories and, and current things, not doing well. Uh, Mark hears him. Uh, Petey kind of makes an excuse for the, the sound of him falling down, uh, has a robe for Petey. Uh, so Mark checking on Petey in the shower, making sure that's okay, comes out after the shower, and he's having... Talk, while talking to Mark, he has more of these kind of, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I should call them flashbacks. I will call them flashbacks, but I don't know. They're basically, like, these memories of him at work being blended with what's happening in the moment. And while that's happening, you get to see a little bit of what it was like, what the camaraderie was like inside the uh, MDR department, the microdata refinement department, while Petey was still there, kind of going back and forth with Dylan. He brings up uh, Sunset Parks, that Dylan, something about Dylan, 4% on Sunset Parks. Uh, Mark asks Petey in the, in the now what that means. We don't know. One of the many questions uh, that potentially will be answered at some point. Uh, we also see Selvig next door. Pouring herself a glass of milk, sitting down next to the window, clearly spying on Mark, uh, looking through her window at Mark's place. Now, Petey and Mark are down in the basement, so she can't see, obviously, that Petey is there. Clearly, that would be a big issue. Uh, but she is there with her milk, watching, waiting for Mark to come out of the basement. Uh, we have Petey telling kind of explaining these reintegration issues he's having with his brain, how his memories are relative, how his first day at Severance is sitting next to, in his memory bank, sitting next to his five-year, five, uh, fifth birthday. Like, so they're kind of like the deck has been shuffled. Uh, but he tells Mark that they say, they, quote-unquote, they say his memories will get better. Uh, and Mark is asking who they is. Are they the WMC, the whole mind collective? And Petey says, no, it is not them. In my opinion, I would assume it would have to be somebody that either works at Lumen or used to work at Lumen. Because all of their technology, when we saw the, the process of Heli getting severed, 
all of their utensils are Lumen branded. The device that's implanted in her brain is Lumen branded. Uh, so it's a very proprietary type of procedure, proprietary probably type of tools. So it would have to be somebody that came from or is still within the Lumen industry who is behind this uh, and not just the, the people on the outside kind of protesting it. Either way, uh, Petey says it is not the Whole Mind Collective. Uh, and, and asking Mark, don't you want to know what it is you're doing down there? Um, and Mark doesn't, Mark doesn't want to know because it's, it, it, it's providing him, he thinks it's providing him with help. It's how he ru is running away from this trauma that he had with the passing of his wife. Um, and Petey is asking, like, is it worth it? for the help that you think you're getting is it worth it if the work you're doing is causing people to die around the world which pd doesn't necessarily know if that's what their job is obviously it is not only is the severance procedure a a form of keeping that information secret but even when you're even when they are at work they're doing the job that they're doing is so like weird that they don't know they have their own weird theories as we heard in the last episode of what the numbers mean so they there's like levels of protection so whatever it is they are doing it is something that lumen does not want getting out like this is the highest level of protection that they can have to make sure stuff doesn't get out into the world. Which, if you're keeping that big of a secret, yeah, it could be something as big or as dangerous as they are killing people. But we don't know. Petey doesn't want to know. But Petey wants to find out. That's why he got the, the reintegration thing. Uh, that's why he's reaching out to Mark uh, to see if Mark wants to know more. Uh, and we find out um, PD says that there's a department at Severance that never leaves. And it's not like never leaves, like you feel like you never leave, like all of your innies are perpetually awake at work forever, which is hell on earth. But there's a department that is there perpetually awake well maybe not even awake maybe they get to sleep at work but they never get to go home they don't have an Audi aspect of themselves they are 100% innies which I don't know at this point could be a theory could be like how does PD know this we don't know uh, but sounds like a horrible thing wouldn't be surprising if that's a reality for for some people that are at lumen like for that to be you would think that like this giant company has tried or is attempting to try many different variations of whatever it is they're trying to do with people with the severance thing uh so to have one group of people to be 100 percent there at all times probably the highest level of protection right would be this department which is just hor horrifying to think of. Uh, but Petey's very paranoid. 
He's also kind of starting to get mixed up, starting to have the the reintegration sicknesses, thinking that like Irving's going to walk in despite the fact that he's in the basement with Mark. Uh, and then he's also worried that June is going to walk in. Mark asks who June is. Uh, we find out that June is Petey's daughter. She likes to play the drums. Obviously, she's not going to be walking in, but Petey is just clearly not all there. Uh, so Mark, you know, after this conversation, goes back upstairs, heads back upstairs to end his night as he always ends his night seemingly with a glass of whiskey sitting in front of the TV to fall asleep in front of the TV. Uh, Selvig, still waiting by her window, sees Mark come out of the basement and shows concern. Like, it's weird that, like, Selvig is so concerned with Mark's well-being, making sure he gets sleep, uh, which is a weird contrast to who she is as Cobell inside of Severance. Uh, but she sees Mark come out. She's like, oh, Mark. Um, and Mark turns on the TV, and there is, uh, you know, a TV anchor speaking with a PR person or whatever from Severance. And there's this scandal that's kind of going on where a woman got pregnant while her any got pregnant in work. And, of course, the severant, the Lumen PR person is trying to put spin on everything, not really answering any questions, constantly diverting with the language that's being used, the terms that are being used for the people that are inside, the people that are severed. Uh, so kind of just another taste of the controversy that severance is having that that lumen is having with the severance program uh which earlier the first step or second episode first episode uh we heard while mark was at dinner that there are congressional issues with the the thing so just just part of that uh and of course mark not wanting to hear any of it obviously kind of got his fill with talking to Petey downstairs and now you have this on the news he just turns it to uh, just a random show so he can fall asleep as he does every night, seemingly falls asleep in front of the TV. Uh, next morning, wakes up, goes down to, ch to wake up Petey, lets Petey know where he's at and, and, rem and tells Petey again that he doesn't want to be reintegrated. Uh, and Petey tells, you know, Mark tells Petey, obviously told him earlier that like it helps him he tells Petey that you know the reason it helps him is because his wife died in a car accident so we find out that how Mark's wife died uh, she died in a car accident two years before and uh, so it's it's helped him deal with that quote-unquote deal with it which really we know that he's running away from it so Petey tells Mark that all of the guys would notice that Mark, would, when he would come into work, would have red eyes, and they would always joke about him having elevator allergies, which obviously he didn't. And Petey tells him that, like, you think you are getting away from the pain by doing this, but deep down, you are taking that pain with you. Deep down, your innie is still feeling that pain. They just don't know what it is. Similarly to sleep. Right? Like, he's still, like, Mark's innie telling Helly in the last episode that you just need to focus on what 
the effects of sleep feel like since you don't get to experience going home and going to sleep. Similarly, his innie is experiencing whatever emotional, because when you have emotional reactions to things, there are chemical processes going on. Your brain is releasing different chemicals in your brain, in your system to, to, to make you feel bad. And his innie's been dealing with that. So it's interesting. So Mark is like slowly understanding that maybe his plan to avoid the pain of losing his wife is not necessarily working as he thought it would. So Mark leaves to go to work on his way out he sees Selvig on her stoop with a hairdryer de-icing her stoop which is so weird the Selvig character because in the previous episode she she says she has a shop that's like an herbal shop apparently holistic shop and she seems kind of like an eccentric type of a hippie lady but then inside, she's cold and, and seemingly hates Mark. Especially, at least that's w what she tells Helly in that, that first episode. But she's outside, de-icing her stoop with the hairdryer. Mark goes to work. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Now you can wear the many faces. Original art by Ray Taylor. Select pieces from the ongoing series of abstract ink paintings. All products made with high quality materials. Made right here in the USA. Go to inspireddisorder.com slash tmfmerch to browse the entire collection. And save yourself an extra 10% when you check out by using coupon code RTS. TMF. So once again, go to inspireddisorder.com slash TMF merch and save 10% when you use coupon code RTSTMF. And now back to our show. Uh, shows up to work. Uh, an envelope's waiting for him. He opens the envelope. It's the new, the, the group pictures that they took the other day. Helly shows up and tells him that she got her first numbers while he was away. Uh, and he didn't realize, obviously, that he had a sick day. So, you know, he, he f his innie finds that out. And also that Helly is kind of, you know, Dylan helped Helly figure things out, helped with the training while he was gone. Um, and part of Mark's new job duties as being the department head is to read the announcements which we find out that mark at one point used to be kind of a goofball and when pd would read the announcements mark would interrupt was well known for interrupting the announcements with fart noises which is definitely not the mark that we see inside lumen so despite the fact that his wife had died and he was taking that pain he was still a goofball but now that like his any has is dealing with the loss of Petey, who is his best friend inside, like his best friend just disappeared, just stopped coming into work one day. So Mark's any is dealing with the knowledge of that loss. And probably since the the feeling of loss is like has similar related emotions and effects 
between death and just, you know, Petey leaving, it probably is amplifying the emotions that Mark is bringing in from the loss of his wife and then compounding that with or or conflating that with the loss of Petey. But we find out that that Mark was at one point a goofball. Uh, Milchick is taking pictures while Mark is reading the announcements. Uh, and Helly told Mark before this announcement thing that she had put in a request to uh, resign. And in the announcements, we find out, which apparently is uh, f- the fastest turnaround Mark has ever seen on a request uh, that her request had been denied. Helly upset, runs into the bathroom, closes the door. Cut back to outside of Mark's house. Uh, his sister, Devin, and her husband, Rickon, are outside. They have a gift for him. They put it on his stoop. Uh, s- after they leave, Selvig goes over, takes the book, which we find out it's a book. Uh, she takes the gift off the stoop, and she goes into Mark's house. So we find out that uh, that Selvig has keys to Mark's house. She goes into his house. Meanwhile, Petey is in the basement s- trying to redraw these this floor plan, this map of Inside Severn hears that somebody is there, so he goes to hide. Cobell goes downstairs, or Selvig goes downstairs, where Petey is hiding. She goes over to the container, the the storage bin, with Gemma's crafts in it. She opens it up, takes out the same candle that Mark took out previously and smelled. She takes it out, and she actually steals the candle as well. So we'll see how that plays into things. Uh, and she gets a call, and the call she gets is from Mitch Milchik, and Milchik, when Helly found out that her request had been denied, he immediately calls Cobell, so this is the moment where her phone rings, and she picks up the phone, now talking to Milchik, and while she's talking to Milchik, Petey peeks out from where he's hiding, and is starting to have those, those cross flashbacks, and realizes that Selvig is Cobell. That Cobell is now in the basement with him at Mark's house. And he leaves. He escapes. Cut back to Mark standing outside the bathroom. Helly's been in there for 45 minutes. He warns her, goes in, catches her, writing a message on her arms. Uh, and Mark has seen this before. Clearly. Right? Like, th- there's... This is, like, not new to him. And she tries to do it to where, you know, you put your arms together and it spells out a thing. And he brings up that, that Grainer has this stuff called bad soap. If we don't know what bad soap is, I would imagine it, it would be whatever Grainer uses to clean off messages people write on their bodies to try and sneak out messages. Right. This is bad soap. So it's probably something that's very painful but it's a very weird term. Either way, he gets, gets Helly to wash it off. Irving is outside when Mark comes out, very concerned, as Irving is one to always be very concerned. Uh, concerned for Mark that he's, you know, getting over this quote-unquote food poisoning uh, and that high-stress situation is probably not good for him or whatever. But he also wants to help Helly. He knows Helly's having a hard time, and he recommends taking 
that we, they should all go to the perpetuity wing. So while that's happening, Cobell shows up to work through a different entrance, and uh, she has the book, gives it to Milchik, tells him to read through it to make sure there's no messages. Uh, apparently, the book, when he pulls it out of the packaging, was written by Ricken. Uh, apparently, according to Cobell, it's his fifth book that he's written. Uh, the title is The You, You Are. And uh, it's Milchik's job to read through it and make sure there's no messages. Which is interesting because Mark, I mean, I guess his Audi can talk to, but like, like, why wouldn't, if, if, if his sister and Ricken had messages for Mark, why wouldn't they just tell Mark? Because they can s clearly socialize with him. He went and had dinner with him. Like, there doesn't seem to be any restrictions outside of work. So there doesn't seem to be, like, they wouldn't need to hide any messages within the book. Either way, Milchik is reading through the book to make sure there's no messages in there. Uh, where are we at? Uh, Mark comes in and they have we see that there's, you know, some 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 of the kind of uh, logistics, some of the corporate things that aspects of severance uh, that kind of keep everything in line, keep everybody very organized and on task. Uh, he comes in to talk to Cobell uh, to see if they can go to the perpetuity wing. And first he stopped by Milchik, and Milchik asks if he has, if he filled out a request uh, for supervisor interaction. So clearly if they want to talk to Cobell, they have to fill out a piece of paper, which would make sense considering the fact that Cobell isn't always at work. You know, previously she was in Mark's house. So... She probably does stuff outside of work. Who knows how often she's actually at severance, but having to fill out that paperwork would provide a buffer uh, so you can't just... There's the farthest from an open-door policy. Uh, but Cobell calls Mark in, despite the fact he didn't do it. Uh, Mark goes in asking to take, take everybody to go to this perpetuity wing, uh, and then Cobell asks if he filled out a common space reservation slip so to control to make sure different departments don't run into each other uh but she kind of goes over that way and and mark brings up Petey again and how he used to set the tone and we get another one of these cobell mark interactions that are so weird i don't know it's been weird since Petey left I mean, you know, he, he was, he set the tone. If Petey were the tone setter you're lionizing him as, he'd still be here. What does that mean? Are you going to make me throw my mug at you? I, why would you? Get MDR to its numbers. Okay. Mark, what I just did was something I knew that you could handle and grow from. It was very painful for me. 
I hope that you'll let it help you. Just such a weird interaction. Obviously, the kind of messaging is don't worry, don't talk about Petey. Let's forget Petey ever existed. Just focus on micro data refinements numbers. That's all you should be focused on. That's all you need to do. I don't know why she would throw a mug at him. You know, like complete opposite person, Cobell versus Selveg. Selveg, compassionate, seemingly compassionate, cares a lot about Mark, whereas Cobell, like, just has nothing but disdain for him. Now, outside at the, the desks, we see Heli writing herself another note, putting the note, folding it up, and putting it inside of a, like, a Sharpie cap, taking the little paperclip part of the Sharpie clap, cap off, putting a piece of tape over the open end of the cap. She heads over to the, the glasses where she fills one up and puts it in her mouth, is about to swallow it when Mark shows up again. And da-da-da-da-da, Mark knows! Like, all of these things have been done before. And Mark explains to her, it's like, listen, they can detect messages inside the body too, and it's Milchik's job to extract the message. So it's really important to know when you swallowed the message so he knows which end to go extract the message from. And it's like, clearly, whether it was Mark himself, it wouldn't be surprising if it was Mark who had tried to do all this communication and knows what the break room is. Like, or it was just somebody else that's worked there. You know, maybe it was Carol that worked there before that was brought up. We don't know anything about. But Mark clearly knows and has experience seeing other people trying to do what Heli is trying to do with trying to, to kind of get smuggle this information out. But it doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, so now they leave, they go, they're on this tour. Irving is doing his spiel as they're going down the endless maze of hallways. Uh, Irving talking about how he has this mnemonic poem to remember the eight CEOs going on and on about poem structure and how it's not necessarily technically correct structure or whatever. Clearly Irving understands and is a, a, somebody who studies the arts. He was enamored by the painting that was in the waiting room of the wellness center. Uh, had a, a great time talking with Bert about the paintings and, and really seemed to light up when talking about it. Clearly knows a lot about poetry. Uh, meanwhile, Dylan hands out these Xerox copies of the Egan Bingo, which is a fun little thing for them to stay entertained while visiting the Perpetuity Wing. Uh, meanwhile, they run into, speak of the devil, they run into Bert and the other, the only other member of the optics and design department. Uh, they, they meet each other at uh, a crossroads, as it were. Uh, they were just coming from a team building exercise, an egg drop challenge. Uh, so the other member of the optics and design team is holding a tray of broken eggs in their little contraptions that clearly failed. 
Uh, you see Dylan kind of going off the handlebars again, kind of angry and defensive against these people. Uh, you see, obviously, Irving is quite pleasantly pleased to have run into Bert again. Uh, and they kind of have their their back and forth, which is which is nice. And as the optics and design department leave, Bert gives Irving a little a little wink. A little, it's it's kind of a beautiful little little romance that's blooming between those two two older men. I mean, the optics and design department are you know old in comparison. Irving is probably is the only old person in the micro data refinement department. Uh, but you know, there's definitely a little a little love connection there blooming between Bert and Irving, uh, Bert and Ernie. I wonder if that's <laughs> I wonder if that's uh, if that's uh, something the writers uh, put in there on purpose. But gives them a little a little wink. Meanwhile, cut back to Cobell uh, going back into her office. Uh, and she sees that Milchik is setting up one of those little speaker boxes on her desk. Uh, we see a new character, Natalie, is there. There's going to be a board meeting. They want to talk uh, to Cobell. Cobell thinks it's possibly about Helena, uh, a.k.a. Heli, uh, but it is not. It is about Peter, what is his name? Peter Kilmer, a.k.a. Petey. So the board wants to know, about PD, what happened to PD, uh, which Cobell, and it's the same kind of interaction that happened when Mark had his meeting with the board, where they, you never hear the board say anything. Uh, it's kind of this very awkward thing where Cobell has to kind of just start speaking. And the one time the, the board apparently says something, they say it into an earpiece that Natalie has in her ear. And that is when th they only speak up when Cobell starts to mention that PD, that they don't really have any information on what happened to him, but there's rumors going around that maybe it was a reintegration. The board speaks to Natalie. Natalie relays the message that there's no such thing as reintegration. It's not even possible. You need to focus on the numbers. The same thing that Cobell was regurgitating to Mark earlier. Don't worry about Petey. That's not even... Just get that out of your head. Obviously, they want to know what happened, but if you don't have any information, they don't want to hear any rumors. They don't want to hear anything about reintegration. All they want to make sure is that their numbers, uh, that the micro data refinement numbers are hit at the end of the quarter. Join Inspired Disorder Plus today. Head on over to inspireddisorder.com slash plus to join. Membership includes members-only discounts and deals. You get access to the Ray Taylor Show completely ad-free, as well as bonus episodes. You get access to the complete live painting archive. You also get access to every single podcast ever produced by Inspired Disorder hosted by Ray Taylor. You get access to Ray Taylor's personal blog, as well as the opportunity to ask me any questions. So if you want to start a podcast, you're into art, ask me anything. And so many more things are being added every day to Inspire Disorder Plus. So sign up today, become a member, head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspire Disorder Plus member
today. So cut back to they are the micro data refinement crew is walking through the hallways and we get one of the kind of comedic relief moments that we get throughout this show that I appreciate. Uh, and that is them, especially Dylan, coming up with very creative theories on things, talking about the coup, potentially this coup that happened, uh, having theories on the different departments. Let's play that clip. There's seriously a two-person department, like they only ever see each other? For the most part, it's lonely, I suspect. And unnatural, perverse. O&D is nice. No, they're not, nor do they share our values. Kier sorted the departments by virtue, macro dads are clever and true, while O&D's more cruelty-centered. How many departments are there? Probably Around 30. Five. No one's quite sure. O&D tried a violent coup on the others decades ago, and that's why they reduced them down to two, and that's why they keep us all so far apart now. That's an absolute fiction. Did they ever kill anyone? Nope. There was no coup. No one killed anyone. Then why don't we ever hang out? I mean, I'm 99% sure there was no coup. So just a great... Not only Dylan... I mean, Dylan, my favorite, he's my favorite character... Always has the the great theories, always so much fun, always so funny. His theories even earlier on in the episode where he's talking about these theories of what his Audi does, that his Audi is a bodybuilder, which is just hilarious. Um, and also seeing that Heli is kind of adopting that kind of smart alecky. And almost, I would say, I would almost assume that that uh heli and dylan are kind of the newer of the hires clearly heli is the newest but they have more of that adolescent kind of energy you know where they you know f having fun talking shit uh you know where where dylan's more of like maybe like a teenager angsty especially towards the optical and design department has some anger there uh, into like conspiracy theories and things like that very much of a a teenage adolescent thing and then heli is kind of like like a young kid coming into her own kind of realizing that she can have fun and poke fun and things like that interesting dynamic love that scene uh cut back to uh not cut back to now they enter in the perpetuity wing and they're greeted by the first of many wax statues i don't know if they're made of wax but these statues of all of the ceos uh the first one is the current ceo james egan um the we get to see all of the many ceos they also include the dates where they served as ceo starting off with keir egan was 1865 to 1939 uh myrtle egan 1941 to 1959 so there's a little gap there uh interesting to see who filled in that gap uh there's baird egan from 1959 to 1976 uh gearhart egan 1976 to 1987 and then philip pip egan which i would imagine the pips bar and grill uh came from this guy who started as CEO in 1987 to 1999. And I would assume uh, James Egan took over in 1999 to the whatever current day is. 
I would imagine. That would be my guess. But we got to see some of the placards of their – it had their birth dates as, or their the dates that they were alive as well. But uh, that is – so we know that uh, Severance started in 18 – at least according to this, 1865. And you kind of go around and, you, you know, you stand in front of one of these statues and the little speaker box plays and they tell you some quotes – or whatever, and that you know that's why they have the bingo card, so you can fill out the different things. And if you look at the bingo card, uh, which the first one is that, or one of the the boxes is Lumen will save the world. Like if somebody mentions that, which the whole Lumen thing is very religious. Uh, one of them is there's an Egan depicted with a halo. Uh, Lumen is referred to as a she. Uh, it is very much culty, very much religious in a lot of ways, really trying to indoctrinate people who are within that severed thing that are detached from all other reality to kind of give them something, which is why Irving wanted to bring Heli there to provide her. He was talking to Heli, and it's like, you know, history gives us context for who we are, and when we when we found ourselves uh, waking up on that table, we had no history, we had no context, and and the perpetuity wing is something that will provide that for, provide meaning, provide purpose, and in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, that's what religion is. Religion provides people with purpose in life, with meaning in life, uh, and some people feel that that helps them. Uh, and that's a lot what this perpetuity wing uh, is. We find out that the back part of the perpetuity wing is all about the first CEO, Keir Egan. Uh, but on their way to that back part, they go through this one area that's all smile, like pictures of people's smiles, like their teeth. And kind of creepy. And it's like, oh, these are all the people that we've helped. And this, this area is constantly updated with new smiles and all of these things. And, and Dylan's bummed because there was a smile that he was attracted to that is clearly not there anymore. Uh, so they go into the back part and we see that Ke Keegan's part, not Keegan, Keir's, Keir Egan's part is a, a, a replica of the house he grew up in. So you're like inside of a warehouse, like a giant room. And inside this giant room is this giant house with a manicured lawn in the front of it. And they go in, they go into the bedroom, and it's set up like a museum. Like, don't touch, don't sit on the bed. Like, this is what it looked like inside of his bedroom, supposedly. Uh, and Mark kind of takes a step over one of the boundaries to, to potentially maybe sit on the bed. And Irving, being the stickler for rules, uh, stops him sees that he has one of these bingo cards and is really upset because they're supposed to be providing Heli with this this opportunity to like get purpose and 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 to like help her out because he knows that she's having a hard time adjusting to this stuff and uh while they're arguing while they're going back and forth Heli disappears and she's running and she's running. Mark's chasing after her. She ends up getting to the doorway in the stairwell that we were at before on her first day. 
and it's locked. So she goes and grabs a fire extinguisher, breaks the little little narrow mirror that's on the door, breaks it open, reaches through with the note, and is trying to get her head through in order for her brain to switch over to read this note saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to quit. And Mark shows up, pulls her back through. She cuts her arm while he pulls her back through. And da 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 of course, Mr. Grainer shows up, the, the one man you never want to see. He shows up, and he takes Helly to the break room. Mark can't cover for her this time. It is 100% on her. Milchick is waiting for her in the break room. We actually get to see the break room. Uh, it is kind of, it's a dark room. Uh, he dresses her wound first, sits her down. She puts her hands on these like scanner things. There's a screen in front of her. It's like kind of a semi-transparent screen. On the other side of the screen is where Milchick is sitting. And he's got a little microphone going into a tape recorder, which... As we saw in the previous episode, Petey played a cassette from the break room. So these are the cassettes that they, they clearly archive these, these break room meetings with. Uh, and I would imagine they use old technology, especially cassettes, because it, it's more secure than just a digital file that could easily be uploaded or broadcasted or put on a thumb drive or whatever. And he is like this file cabinet where he pulls out this compunction statement. And, you know, it's a file cabinet of these like transparents that he puts on this like overhead projector. So if you ever went to school in the 90s, you remember overhead projectors and little transparency sheets. Well, that's what these these sheets are of like these statements that whoever's in the break room, they need to read. They get really projected onto their onto the screen that's in front of them but really seared into their head. I mean, you're staring directly into a overhead projector in a lot of ways. And she starts having to read. We see Cobell watching on the other side of a two-way mirror, or maybe not a two-way mirror, but Cobell is, is watching as this happening. And uh, let's play a clip. What is this? Read it. I don't want to. No. Do. Forgive me for the harm I have caused this world. None may atone for my actions but me, and only in me shall their stain live on. I am thankful to have been caught, my fall cut short by those with wizened hands. All I can be is sorry, and that is all I am. I'm afraid you don't mean it. Excuse me? Again, please. So just kind of a brutal brainwashing, negative reinforcement type of a punishment that you get. And it'd be really curious to know what the other things are. Because there's, I mean, it was a file cabinet full of these transparencies. So I'm sure there's different ones for different situations. 
and you just have to stay in there and read it until they believe that you believe what you say which is just like just a new level of hell right you're already existing awake forever at work and now when you mess up this is the punishment cut to mark sitting at his desk kind of just exhausted with the whole day bummed out at the whole situation uh dylan's leaving asks if he wants to turn the lights off mark says yeah so he turns the lights off so mark's just kind of kind of sitting there in the dark he's got his desk lamp on decides to swap out all of the group pictures since you know the new pictures came in and while he's swapping out the pictures he finds behind one of the pictures a map the map that pd is trying to recreate on the outside uh mark finds the one he was hiding inside obviously mark mark's any doesn't know that his audi has connected with pd and and is you know, PD is trying to recreate that map. But now Mark's any sees this map that PD was doing and he looks at it. You know, there's some interesting things on the map. I didn't really pause it and, and look in depth into it, but Mark decides to keep that map behind his his picture of the group photo. So he swaps out all the group pictures, cut to PD having more reintegration sickness bleeding out of his nose he's in a convenience store confused screaming that he needs tokens because that's how lumen works but he's just at like a 7-eleven or whatever uh and it's not going very well cut back to mark leaving work goes home realizes Petey's not there so he decides to go out driving to look for him and while he's out driving he sees ambulances pass and he follows them to the convenience store where Mark sees Petey being brought out by paramedics. Petey passes out, stops breathing. So Mark leaves, goes back to his house, cleans up the basement to make it look like Petey was never there, covering up the couch, putting, up, putting boxes on the couch, just making it look like things have been stored there, nobody's been sleeping there. And then as he does that, he sees a phone ringing. It's Petey's phone. Somebody's calling Petey's phone. And that's how the episode ends. So we get a little bit more. We clearly know Mark has experience, either personal experience trying to pass messages or other people who have worked there trying to pass messages because he knew the the pen cap trick he knew the the writing on your skin trick he knows about bad soap whatever that is uh so clearly mark knows some stuff uh there's potentially a department that never gets to leave uh which is crazy we find out that mark's wife died in a car accident uh obviously lumen started in 1866 uh, we found out what the break room looks like, the compunction statements, the hand scanners, microphone, tape recorder, file cabinet full of all the stuff, uh, overhead projector, uh, another person watching on the outside. Uh, we don't know who they are, quote unquote, but we know it's not 
uh, the Whole Mind Collective. Uh, apparently, PD's brain's supposed to get better, but it doesn't look like that's happening. Um, let's see. Still don't know what they're doing at Lumen. Uh, we don't know what the Bad Soap is. We don't know what Sunset Parks are. Uh, the book, we don't know what's in the book, which chapter 12 of the book was learning to be emotionally nude in front of your wife. In front of my wife, he says, which is his fifth book. So it's, it seems like a self-help type of a book, which makes sense considering they are the people that had all of the different beds ready to go for their unborn child so they don't get uh, don't have to deal with the trauma of losing a bed that they they slept in for many years uh, we get to see what the perpetuity wing is like we get to see all the different CEOs we get to see how much more lumen is like a religion in a lot of ways uh, how Egan the Egan family has passed down as running this company how it's been in the family the entire time um let's see lumen is referred to as a she a lot of religious iconography obviously there's egan's or uh keir egan's house replica of his house in the back uh milchick still taking pictures uh, reading the book for messages, running the break room, uh, optics and design. We got to see both of them doing their their egg drop challenge. Uh, clearly, there's a little little flame a brewing between Bert and Irving. Uh, we got to see some of the the kind of the paperwork that needs to be filled out in Severance that kind of keeps everybody in charge. Uh, we got Mark taking that pain into work with the elevator allergies Cobell kind of being com compassionate on the outside but crazy on the inside yeah Natalie with the board Dylan has some really fun he has a beloved character that he does sticky notes sticky head where he puts sticky notes on his on his head i love dylan like as far as like comedy relief having fun creative ideas his hate for the o and d department is a little disturbing but i do like he's my favorite character uh yeah so that's that's the episode. The next episode, episode four, is the U U R. So it is named after this book that was uh, s supposed to be given to Mark. So we'll see how that plays out. Clearly, that next episode is going to be uh, dealing with that book in some way. So we'll see how it all goes in the next episode of Severance. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Out! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true.
What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.